Okay, here we are. We are in week number four. We have one more week of this series, and I am so excited that you're here part of it. I'm excited to see the students walk in and join us so close to the front, and partially because what we're talking about, students, in this series, you have the potential to change your entire future based upon what we've been talking about in this series. And parents, it is not too late for us. Grandparents, it is not too late for us. It is not. So I am glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're going to be part of this with us. Um, So here's what I want to do. I would like to begin by just simply saying, I want to admit to you something. I kind of have a a, a knee-jerk reaction um, and kind of a response. And if you listen closely, you can hear it. Here's my knee-jerk response. No! That's it. It's no. I say no all the time. It's just, it's, I learned this back when I was in preschool, uh, about two years old. That's about when I began saying no. Um, and I would just say no because you said, do this. No. I would say no because you said yes. So I would have to say no. Now, now most often though, I'll be honest, most often I was screaming that, but it was only inside my head. I was a pretty good kid, Miss Cindy, I promise. I, I wasn't really a bad kid, but I would scream that rebellion and I would scream that no inside my head. I would say no all the time. It's just the way I was. It was my knee-jerk response. Um, And that response, though, became a habit for me. All the way back to somewhere around two years old. And if you've got children, you understand it probably has happened for them as well. I also began as a child and then through my teenage years and adult of wearing my feelings on my face. I kind of was a living emoji. I don't know if you know what I mean. It's like the duh and eye roll. I did a lot of eye rolling, um, and I still do. Um, I do a lot of, what are you talking about? What in the world? I do a lot of, oh, brother, oh, my word, I cannot believe this. And I did a lot of, you, no, you did not. No, I understand that. Now, those may be a little bit exaggerated, but those are my reactions generally in life to people and everything else. And I had a habit of communicating, not just with my words, but also communicating with my face and my body language. And I had a habit, have, this one especially, a habit of communicating with screaming silence. And I do that to communicate frustration, displeasure, or even if I'm just in an uncomfortable place in my own body. Screaming silence. And I don't even have to tell myself to do that, to be quiet and just say nothing. I don't have to tell myself to do it. It just seems to happen automatically. And I, can't, I also don't seem to be able to stop myself from doing that. And there's some other things like that that I do as well. I just can't seem to stop myself. Now, I want to tell you what your children right now are learning. Your preschool children and your school-age children at this very moment, they are learning how to communicate as well. And they're learning how to think before they speak, how to choose their words carefully. Now, McKinley has a graphic we're going to put on the screen. This is what they have been talking about all month long in January, and so have we. And it's about self-control. And it's about choosing to do what you should, even when you don't want to. How many of you want your children to know how to do that? We do. We want them to know how to do that. For the adults, we have changed that just a little bit because our view of self-control adds one more step there. Choosing to do the next right thing even when I don't want to. Choosing to do the next right thing even when I don't want to. And that's what we have been talking about every Sunday in the month of January. We want our children to know that. And we want our students and ourselves as adults to know that as well. Now, today specifically related to self-control... Your children this morning are talking about this key verse, and it's Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18. And it says, speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise, it says, brings healing. I want to say that again. This is a key verse, and it's really our key verse today as well. Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing, okay? That 
is the key verse for today. And we'll talk about that later on, but that's where we get this whole bottom line for us today. This is what our bottom line in here, and it's very much related to what your children are learning. Here's that bottom line. Think before you speak. That's their bottom line, but we've added to it for us. Think before you speak because something will be healed or something will be killed. And we get that from this verse. Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword. In other words, it kills something. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So this is what that bottom line means. I want to tell you right off the bat, here's what it means. For absolutely everything that we communicate, whether we are using words or facial expressions or whether we are uh, even things we think, Everything we communicate, we are either infusing life and emotional healing into someone or we are slowly killing that relationship. And it's with everything that we communicate with them. Now let's take a poll, all right? Of this bottom line that says, you know, we need to think before we speak. Think before we speak. Because we are either some, something or some, someone is either being healed or killed. This whole concept, I want to take a poll. And this morning, it's like a, a nod your head yes or a shake your head no poll. Here's our poll. How many of us are familiar with that concept that we need to think before we speak? Is that a yes? Okay. Here's the second part of the poll. Is anyone hearing that concept, think before you speak? Are you hearing this? Anyone hearing this? Don't, don't raise your hand, but yes or no. Are you hearing this for the very first time in your life? Think before you speak. Okay, that's what I expected. Pretty much, we are all familiar with this concept, Okay. This is not new information for our students and for our adults today. Now, in the past week, the poll continues. Here's the next part of the poll. In the past week, this is just a shake your head no or shake your head yes. In the past week, did we communicate something with words or gestures or silence? Did we communicate that quickly? without really thinking about it. And perhaps it's possible that it could have pierced like a sword. How many of us did that this week? Yes, I did that. No, I did not. Okay. The last question, I think. Did anyone live this truth? The truth being, think before you speak. Did anyone live this truth Yes or no? All week long and everything that you did, you thought before everything that you said. You didn't say anything or communicate with uh, anything, gestures or facial expression, anything in a quick response that ended up kind of being a jab, that ended up kind of being a barb. And, you, and, it, and you, so you did not do that with words or facial expressions or barbed silence. You didn't do that to anyone this week? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? 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 Honestly, that's what I expected. I mean, I, hey, listen, I'm right in there with you on all of those questions. Me too. Me too. So here's what I'm saying, I guess. If we know this to be true, since someone somewhere at some time already taught each one, almost all of us, that truth that we should think before we speak, they've already taught us that, why is it not easier to do? And I want to suggest to you a reason why it's not the only reason, but it's a very important reason, I believe, of why it's not easier to do that, even though we already know that. It's one word. Habit. 
Let me just tell you what I did today so far. My alarm went off this morning. I hit snooze. My alarm went off again. I turned it off. I got out of bed. I went and I brushed my teeth. Um, I put on deodorant. Um, I got dressed. Whew, thank goodness. Um, I put on my shoes. I put on, well, actually socks first. Put on my socks. Then I put on my shoes. Uh, I skipped breakfast. Um, I went to the car, started the car. Automatically, when Vanessa came out to the garage, I went and I opened her door to let her in and I closed the door. I went over to my side and I got in and I started the car. I, I, I didn't even realize I started the car. I just did it. I just started the car. I went, uh, I backed out of the driveway, shut the garage door. I, um, I drove through, uh, uh, went through a stop, had a stop sign. I was there and then a four-way stop and then another stop sign, then another stop sign. Then I turned and I went through some stoplights, went through several stoplights. I don't even remember stopping at any of those, by the way. I, I'm hoping I did. I think I did, but I don't remember it. Um, and then I kind of got in that car and I was driving on autopilot for almost two hours um, all the way from Malvern to Stuttgart, Harvest Church, pulled into the parking lot. There were two, three cars here before me. Somehow, I made it here without really realizing it. And I made it here while I was thinking about all kinds of other things while I was driving, or not thinking even at all during some of those moments. I certainly was not concentrating on driving, but somehow I made it here. Isn't that strange? Isn't that odd? Of all of the things that I did on my way here as I got up and I got here this morning, I didn't really concentrate on any of those things. I really wasn't thinking about any of those things. And for you too, probably a large portion of what you did this morning between your home, when, well really, let's say between your bed and here, you did the same thing. You didn't really actually think about doing them. You really could say even, we could make a case where I really wasn't doing them. Neither did you. I didn't, neither did you. My brain and your brain, they have created systems to do those things, many things, almost automatically without you or me having to think about the details of each step. Man, what a mind we have. What a mind that God has created and given us. Now with that concept in mind of all these things that we just kind of do without really thinking about, let's look at our bottom line again. Think before you speak. Because something will be healed or killed. Now with this bottom line in mind, we are not going to teach this today on a children's level. We're going to teach this on a student and adult level. And we have already agreed together that this bottom line right here, think before you speak, we have already agreed that pretty much we know this. We know that this is what we're to do. Which means... We need to go deeper to be able to get this bottom line into our lives. We must go deeper. If we want to live this consistently, since we may not, we've already agreed, we may not be good at this right now, most of us. Let's approach this then from the standpoint of a habit. This bottom line that McKinley has on the screen needs to become a habit. And I'm talking an actual habit so that this bottom line happens without us really even having to stop and think about it and force ourselves to do it. Something about the details of this just will happen in our lives. We just do it. It's, uh, we do it automatically like a habit. And when habits in our lives are used wisely, we have all kinds of habits, but when they're used wisely, it is a blessing and it can bring healing. A habit can bring healing into your life and, and your relationships. It can do good things for us in our lives and our relationships. But when habits are not formed wisely, they can become harmful, and those habits that are not formed wisely can kill relationships and hurt people. Now let's tie in a little bit about what we talked about last week. 
Last week, we said that willpower, that willpower, that gumption we have to gut through something, that willpower, we said, can help us in this process of life and making decisions. We can think hard about doing this bottom line. We can think hard about saying, I have got to stop and think before I speak because if I say the wrong thing, it's going to kill this relationship or hurt this relationship. I need to say the right thing so I can bring healing to this person in this relationship. We can force ourselves to think about it and do it. But here's the problem we talked about last week. Willpower is limited And we run out of it on a day-to-day basis. We can replenish it and have more later, but we can run out in the moment. So because willpower is limited, it means that we will never do this bottom line consistently. We will never consistently stop and think before we speak if we're using willpower alone. So that brings us to an important point I want to put on the screen. McKinley will have it there. Our only hope is not for more willpower so that we can be slow to speak. Our only hope is for a new set of habits. That is our hope. Now, I want to say this. Research has revealed, and I'm talking about clinical, scientific, behavioral, psychographic research, reveals that we function, each one of us, through most of our day, mostly on habits. Almost, mostly, about 40% of what we do. Almost half of all of our actions every single day are from a habit rather than purposeful, deliberate thought and intention. It just happens automatically. Most of our day. Almost. And here's the next thing I want you to remember. And the things that happen by habit are the things that happen most consistently in our lives. So the things that are habitual, we can count on, we're going to do that the most consistently. And other people looking at our lives will count on, yeah, they're going to do that the most consistently. Whether that is a good habit, which will help us and help them, or it's a bad habit because other people know us too. They know our bad habits and they know we will do that consistently, even if it's bad, if it's a habit. And that result of the bad habit will be some kind of relational death. Now, I want to give you a heads up this morning. This morning is a little bit unusual the way we're going to approach this topic. This morning as we teach, we believe that it is good to kind of mix things up, the way we teach and what we teach, certainly. And I want you to have a heads up, because today we're going to spend a great deal of my time with you this morning to build a case for developing, for us developing new habits. And then at Toward the end of this teaching this morning, we're going to jump into scripture and we're going to challenge you, challenge me as well, to do what that scripture says. So I don't, if you, especially if this is one of your first times here or early in your journey with us at Stuttgart Harvest Church, I don't want you to think this morning that we're overlooking scripture or that we are not teaching scripture. The scripture today is coming. It's going to be toward the end of this teaching time. But right now, at this very moment, we want to build a case about developing new habits so that we can encourage you to be on board with this or to move in that direction so that we can live the truth that your children are being taught right now. Proverbs 12, verse 18. Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I want to say that again. I'm not sure if I put that in the script, McKinley, but if I did, would you see if you could grab it? Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I don't think I put it in there. Now, here's what I want to do. Let's kind of go back to where we kind of uh, were a little bit last week to get us into this thinking about habits and thinking about how God has made us and wired us. So I'm going to start here with this picture of a brain, and there it is right there. That is not my brain. That's a lot bigger than my brain, 
and probably a lot more effective. But you see that little yellow arrow and the little yellow circle. It's pointing to the circle. What's inside of that circle, we said last week, this is a, a diagram of the brain. We said last week, this is the Homer Simpson part of your brain. Um, it's where all the quick responses are, and, and they happen in that little bitty tiny spot of the brain right there. That's where that happens. And just for just to, for easy understanding here, we call it the Homer Simpson part. All desire, no restraint. It's all right there. And it's just that those, we have an urge and we go and we meet that urge. That all happens right there. Um, the Homer Simpson part of the brain. Now, there's another part of the brain. And it's called the prefrontal cortex. And here McKinley has that on the screen for us. The prefrontal cortex um, so let me kind of uh, give you an idea of, of one way, one of many ways that this prefrontal cortex part of the brain works. McKinley, just leave this on the screen for us because I'm, we're going to be talking about this for just a little bit. As I talk about, when we're in the process of like learning something new, that part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, is really, really active. So it, let me give you an example. When I was learning to drive, um, when I was 14 years old, so in the beginning, a 14-year-old, I have the steering wheel in my hands, and I am white-knuckling that steering wheel. I am grabbing it tight because I am in this giant, and they were bigger back then, this giant land yacht, and we are just hovering through Little Rock and the traffic, and I've got the steering wheel gripped with my hands white knuckling, squeezing it, and I'm noticing, and I'm also doing this. You don't have to do this when you drive, and they actually have to teach you not to do it, but this is what I was doing. I had that wheel going, and so I'm driving, and I am thinking about every bump, and I'm thinking about every sway in the road, and I'm thinking about every corner and every turn, and I'm thinking very closely about every stop I need to make and what I'm doing and pressing the brake and I'm thinking about accelerating slowly so I don't give people whiplash and I'm looking at every car approaching in my rear view mirror, my side mirrors and looking out the windows and I'm, I'm concentrating, I'm thinking. And when someone is learning a new task, when I was learning that new task even, the front part of my brain that we have pictured in green right here, that front part is the prefrontal cortex. It's right behind your eyes, your forehead right behind your eyes. That is highlighted in green on this picture. But when we're doing something new, when they do a brain scan of someone who is in the process of doing something new, that part of the brain right there, do I have a, yeah, there it is. Right there, that part of the brain, it lights up like a Christmas tree on the brain scan when somebody's doing something new. It just lights up. It's like going crazy because it's being used so much. But once I got comfortable with driving, once I got better at that task and it was no longer new, then... That same region of the brain where, there we go, that same region of the brain that used to light up like a Christmas tree on brain scans when I was doing it would now become very dark because it's not being used. Once it becomes a habit, once it becomes ingrained into my life, that same region goes dark on brain scans while I'm performing that task because it has become second nature. And once it has become routine or second nature, it no longer happens in that prefrontal cortex. It no longer takes place there. Now it is transferred to a little tiny portion of the brain in the very center of the brain called the basal ganglia. Give us that next picture, McKinley. In the basal ganglia right there, this little section right here of the brain, is the basal ganglia. And that action is now transferred to there. So now that part of the brain is used when I, um, when I uh, get that into more of a habit form. It is that part of the brain, the basal ganglia, that manages all of my habits. It manages those habits, which then in turn, this is pretty interesting. So when that is working to manage my habits, 
it now frees up the prefrontal cortex to do other things for me. This is so beautiful because habits, which are located here, and, and then all the other things I do and think about and need to take care of and can concentrate on happen in the prefrontal cortex. That's where all that hard work, uh, that's where all that hard uh, um, work of thinking and deciding and choosing, that's where all of that comes in and takes place. And all of that can happen while something else is happening in the basal ganglia working with my habits. So here's what I kind of want you to understand about this. Habits which are here, and then other things we have to think hard about to do are over here, and they happen simultaneously, and they, don't, they are not thinking or doing the same things at the same time. They're doing two completely separate things at the same time. Habits here, and over here are new tasks, but this also, this green part right here, is also where self-control lives. And that is where willpower lives, and they are all connected. Now this is important. Here's what I want you to understand. Last week we said willpower, which lives here, is limited. We can use it up. But once something becomes a habit, it jumps over here and it no longer has to use willpower to get it done because over here, it's now a habit and willpower is free now, right here. Now, habits are not just for mechanical tasks like driving the car and like uh, the things you do to get ready, brushing your teeth, getting ready. It's not just for mechanical tasks. Habits also influence moral and spiritual behavior as well. How beautiful is this? This is so beautiful. I want you to understand this. It's all designed by God. Because since habits are not just for mechanical actions, since habits are also able to influence moral behavior and spiritual behavior, that means this, that creating a healthy habit will help you and help me to rise above temptation without having to use up or tap into that precious, limited willpower. Let me give you a definition of virtuous character. Here's what we mean by virtuous character. This is what we believe God wants us to have and he intends for us. But here's what it means. Virtuous character is what happens when wise, godly, courageous choices become second nature. That's virtuous character. When the decisions you make, they are wise, godly, and courageous out of habit. It becomes second nature. I desire that for my life. I'm not there. You're, you're, you may not be there either. That's my desire. I want that to be my second nature where it just happens, where I just make better decisions. Virtuous character. More godly, more courageous, more wise choices. They just happen habitually. Doesn't mean we're perfect, but we make more and more and more wise, godly, courageous choices. Now, willpower is crucial, and we need willpower. We have to have willpower. I'm not saying we don't need it. We have to have it. It's crucial. But I want to say this. Habits are more reliable than willpower. Because a habit is not limited. A habit is not limited. We do not use it up. We do not drain it. It does not become empty. It is not limited. No matter how much we draw upon a habit, it never depletes. It never gets smaller. Let me give you an example. Two people can have the same temptation when it comes to being angry. We talked about anger last week. They can have the same temptation. And here's where it meets this week. They could have the same temptation to kind of word vomit all over people around them. Blah, just say, say things horrible to people around them. Angry, mean, spiteful, whatever. 
they just word vomit. They could have the same temptation. But one of those two people has a habit of resisting. They've developed it. They've created a habit of resisting. A habit of thinking before they speak. A habit of not saying anything quickly, especially when they're angry. But the other one, the other one wants to do the next right thing, but they're drawing not from a habit, they're drawing from sheer strength and willpower to just do it right. And here's the reality. Of these two, one of those will more frequently cave and blow it much of the time. And you know which one it is, the willpower. Habits are so powerful that habits override every time our conscious choices. We don't even know it's happening. It happens so fast. It overrides our conscious choices. It just happens. We don't even realize. It's so fast. We're not even aware that it's going on. That's how. You know what John Ortberg? John Ortberg, speaking about habits and the power of habits, here's what he says. Habits will eat willpower for breakfast every time. Habits eat willpower for breakfast every time. So let's think about it. Good life-infusing habits, they don't develop automatically. You know what develops automatically? Bad habits. They just develop automatically. I'll give you an example. For the past 25 years, because I'm about 26 now, the past 25 of those years, I did not have to work hard at all to develop the habits that got me fat. <laughs> not, I mean, not a bit. I didn't have to work at it. Those habits just appeared, and I want you to know, they are powerful. Now, I'm in the process of losing weight. I'm not done, but I'm on my way. And I'm developing, in the process of developing, new eating habits, new habits. And I want to promise you this. These new habits, the old ones, they, the bad ones, they just happen. But these new ones, I'm having to fight for them. And I'm having to work really hard to develop these new habits. But I'm in the process, and it's still working. And in this process, I am. I'm using less and less of my willpower and more and more of the habit. In the beginning, it was more willpower. But right now, it's less and less willpower because the habit is beginning to settle in and take over. Why? Because habits will eat willpower for breakfast. If it gets to it before I do, <laughs> then I might eat it. Okay, here's another example. Let me give you this example. This is one from me growing up. Um, going to church every Sunday morning. Going to Sunday morning church gatherings. All right? Let's look at a habit versus maybe just deciding, hey, this weekend we're going to go. We're going to try to go this weekend, all right? A habit versus willpower. A habit versus willpower. So for me in my house growing up when I was a child, I was raised in a home that said this, we gather with the church every Sunday. That's the home I was raised in. We gather, that's what they would say, my mom and dad both. We gather with the church every Sunday. So that decision was made, honestly, it was made before I was ever born. It was made a long time ago. So at some point, they decided this is the way we're going to live life. We gather with the church every Sunday. The decision was made. So on Sunday mornings or on Saturday nights, we didn't have to ask ourselves every Saturday, hey, are we going to go to church tomorrow or not? Are we going tomorrow or not? Um, hey, you want to go tomorrow or are we going tomorrow? No, the decision was made a long time ago. We wake up every, every Sunday morning and we meet with, every Sunday we gather with the church. And I might ask, hey, hey, mom, dad, can I go spend the night at Bobby's house Saturday night? You know what the answer would be? Nope, because we gather with the church on Sunday and we can't gather with the church. You can't gather with the church if you're at Bobby's house. On, on, uh, if you're there Saturday night and say, you can't. So no, no, the answer is no. The only time that that answer was different 
uh, that we did not gather with the church on Sunday was if someone was sick in our house and that person, only that person, got to stay home. And we have, I, I have some great funny stories about that. I don't have time to tell you today. But that person got to stay home. I did that a few times. So, um, so I, I would stay. If I was sick, I would stay and everybody else went. Or if our family was on vacation, then, I, gosh, I got a lot of stories about that. I wish I could tell you. My dad kind of even forced it on vacation. Uh, stories, I wish I could tell you. But pretty much, we, we weren't at our home church on that Sunday morning. Um, if we went to see my grandparents, we didn't go to our church, but we went to theirs. <laughs> um, so now, that, that was me growing up in my family. My parents had developed that habit. And it was a habit for our family, for our household. Now, let's look at, I had some friends. I had some dear friends in my youth group. They had some other habits. Their habit was we like to gather with the church on Sundays, or sometimes we gather with the church on Sundays. Sometimes we're there. Many times we're there. You know, it just depends on the family. Sometimes we gather with the church on Sunday. Maybe for some it was one or two uh, times a month, maybe one time a month or every other week, or sometimes it was I had some friends that were like maybe every six to eight weeks. They were there every month or two or somewhere in there. Um, and maybe they, even in their heart, if they were saying, yeah, that's my church, I'm part of that church, and maybe they even intended to go more and be a part, be a deeper part, be deeply involved into the lives there of the church, um, and maybe they knew, they was like, yes, we like this because it's good for the family, we know it's good for us, and we, you know, we get encouraged and we get a challenge, yes, it's good. It's good for the family, it's good for ourselves. But listen, the reality is it's tough. I mean, we live in the real world. This is tough. I mean, every Sunday? What are you talking about? I mean, how many Saturdays do we not sleep well? And we're just exhausted by that morning. So we say, you know what? I'll, I'll just sleep in this week, and I'm going to go next week. And then the next weekend, maybe we stay up too late, and before we even go to bed, we know, oh, listen, I really blew it. I stayed up too late. I'm just going to turn the alarm off, and I'm going to sleep in this week. We'll go next week. And then we don't, next week, maybe we don't feel well. You know, we're just like, ah, I just feel like, blah, blah. And so we don't go the next week. Say, that's okay, it's okay, I'll go the next week. And the next week we get up and we start getting everybody ready. And you know what it's like to get kids ready for church. We know what it's like. It's so tough. It's so tough, you know. It's like, where are my socks? Where's my underwear? Do I have to wear pants? And that's your husband, right? <laughs> and so... We know what it's like trying to get to church, and so we start trying to get everybody ready, and it takes so long, and with the little kids, we just finally give up, and we say, you know what, I just, we just didn't make it. We're too late. We didn't make it. Maybe we'll go next week. And maybe we do, though. Maybe we, so let's say we missed four weeks, but we make it the next week, and we leave the experience, and we say, you know what, ah, I met with the church, yes, and I was challenged, and I was encouraged we're like, I'm on a roll. Here we go. I, I'm going to go next week, too. I'm going to go next week. And the next week, it's just raining, and it's pouring, and we're like, ah, it's okay. I can't control the rain. I'm not God. I'm not in charge of the rain. Maybe next week. Maybe the next week's really, really cold. I mean, just like bitter cold. And we say, ah, maybe next week. Maybe we see that the sun's going to be coming out, though. Like Wednesday, it's like, oh, it looks like the weather's going to be great. It's going to be good. It's going to be in the 60s. The sun's coming out. Yes, finally, we're going to get to go outside. So we go camping, or we go outside, or we go do this or that, whatever it is. So whatever we love to do outside. And we say, let's do that. Let's do that Sunday. And our good intentions, which they are good intentions, of being a real part of the church and deeply involved into the lives of other people in the church who make up the church. But those good intentions get swamped by trying to decide on a weekend-to-weekend basis whether or not I'm going to go on any given Sunday. And that's the difference between a power that a habit has in our lives. Because when it's a habit... The decision has already been made, and we don't have to spend that willpower or that time thinking about or talking ourselves into it to overcome obstacles that are there every single week. We don't have to use our willpower to get ourselves into action. It just happens without having to think about it right here in this part of our brain because that habit is stored 
And it's running itself deeply inside of our brain. It's already going on. And you know what? We have always thought this. If you're anything like me, we've always thought that the right information, if I would just receive the right information, that that would be enough in my life. That if I had enough of the right information, that eventually my behavior would change in that area if I had enough of the right information. And the reality is this, not true. Not true. Think with me. Has all of your new information from the past year, has all of your new information and new thinking from the past year liberated you from your bad habits and sin? Now, unless you have been in an intensive outpatient recovery program or inpatient, then more than likely, you're like me, and the answer to that question is, for the most part, no, no, no. All of my thinking and information combined from the past year hasn't amounted to much at all. So let's combine then, maybe the last two, three, four years together of the information that you've received. Has that significantly changed your life? And if you're like me, we might evaluate that and say, mm, I don't think so. So I, I want to let you know, we are not alone in this. Here's a verse that needs to sink in deeply into our lives. Even the superstar Christ follower, Paul, here's what he said in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. He said, I don't really understand. I don't understand myself. I want to do what is right, he says. In other words, he's saying, I know what to do. I have the correct information. I have the information of what to do. But then he says, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. And we would say, but Mr. Paul, Reverend Paul, but why? Why? If you have the information, why don't you do it? And in that passage, Paul reveals the source of the problem. He says it in verse 14. He says, the trouble is with me for I am all too human, I am a slave to sin. Here's what we're learning. Information can light the path toward change, but I still have to get up off my seat and walk that path. Let me say that again. Information can light my path toward change, but I still have to get up and walk the path. I'll give you another example. I don't know how far you can see back here, but back here is Chris's guitar. I want you to know that I own two guitars. They're in my room right now. Two Dos Amigos guitars. Two. Nice guitars, too. They're nice guitars. And I also own um, one, one keyboard. I own one nice keyboard. I own two nice guitars. I used to have a bass. I gave it to somebody. I don't know why, but I did. I had a bass, two, uh, two guitars, a keyboard. Uh, I, I now have an accordion, Miss Cindy. I am the owner of an accordion. It's little, but it accords. And I have books, not really for the accordion yet, but I'm going to get them. I have books about that piano, that keyboard, that digital keyboard. I got books. Oh, I got books. I got information out the wazoo. I got it. I got so much stuff for that guitar, information, how-to, videos, classes, courses. I got the information. But unless... I actually choose to begin to pick up my guitar and begin using it. That information is meaningless because I cannot take that information and pick up that guitar today and play that guitar like Chris can play his guitar. I can't do it. And it will never happen that way. 
I have to pick it up and use it and use it. You take the information and use it. Information can light that path, but I have to get up and walk the path. I want you to understand this too. McKinley will have it on the screen. The most accurate and deep understanding of spiritual truth won't in itself change you. I want to say that again. The most accurate, deep understanding of spiritual truth will never in and of itself change you. That information won't change you. Here's what has to happen. We must internalize and put it into practice. You must do it, and I must do it. I must live it. And James said the very same thing, James chapter 122. He says, don't, don't just listen to God's word. Don't just take in the information, he says. You must do what it says. Don't just let it light the next step for you. He says, take that step. You must do it. Otherwise, he says, you are only fooling yourselves. He says, don't kid yourself. Here's the next thing, key point. We don't need less information and knowledge. That's not what we're saying. We don't need less than knowledge. We need more than. We don't need less knowledge. We need more than knowledge. We need the knowledge, but we need the next step. We need knowledge plus the power of habit. And here's where all this leads today. What are we going to do with this information today? I'm hoping we can combine what we talk about today with what we talked about last week. Here's where all this teaching leads. Yes, we need willpower that we talked about last week. But since habits eat willpower for breakfast, we need to do this. We want you to do this. If you're asking, what should I do with my willpower, this is what we should do. Invest our limited willpower into learning new, unlimited habits. We take the information from last week. Willpower, whoo, we need it. But instead of using our willpower to decide whether or not we're going to church on Sunday, instead of using our willpower to decide whether or not we will or will not get wasted, instead of using that willpower to determine whether I will or will not look at pornography, instead of using my willpower to, to just live my life, because it's limited, use the willpower we have that's limited and use it to create a new habit, new habits in our lives. And it takes the average of 66 days every single day to create a new habit. It only takes a few days to destroy it, but it takes 66 days to create a new healthy, good habit. This is interesting, though. There's some things called keystone habits. I want to describe this concept for you. Please hang in here with me. Just kind of pinch yourself if I'm putting you to sleep, or don't pinch the person beside you. <laughs> they might put you to sleep. Um, <laughs> Pinch yourself, just hang in here with me. Don't lose this. Keystone habits. The concept is this, that there are certain habits that we can develop that are these big block habits that if we will begin these big, some of these big keystone habits in our life, then it helps us easier, more easily to develop some of these smaller habits in our life. And I would say the habit of thinking before we speak would be one of these smaller healthy habits that we need to do. So maybe we need to look. So if we want to think, McKinley, stick this on the screen for us. If, if I have it, if I put it there, think before we speak. It's number 15. There we go. Think before we speak because something will be healed or killed. That's one of these smaller habits. And if we want to do this, perhaps, and we're almost done, I promise, perhaps we could start one of these bigger habits, a keystone habit, that would then, after we get that habit, it would make it a little easier for us to learn this. So thank you, McKinley. Here we go. Some keystone habits. And I want you to know, these are proven by secular, meaning these people do not believe in God, and this is going to be so significant. Listen to this. 
this has been proven by secular scientists, but it was taught to us first in Scripture. Okay? Here's the first keystone habit I want to mention. And today we're not really going to say do this habit, although, well, let me just give you the habit. The first keystone habit that you can put in your life, secular scientists agree. This is what's so crazy. Prayer. Go figure. And Paul describes this habit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, when he says this, pray continually. Pray continually. That means pray without ceasing. Don't stop. Pray about everything. And they said that's a habit. Of praying about everything is a habit. Pray continually. It is an instant direct line of communication to God and power infusion from God. It's a direct line to God. And I want you to know this. At Stuttgart Harvest Church, we have some tools to help you learn how to have that habit of prayer in your life. And this year, over the course of our teaching this year, this calendar year, we're going to teach you how to do that. I promise. It'll come later. That's one of those keystone habits. All right? Here's another one, another keystone habit, Bible study. And again, I want you to know, this has been proven by even secular studies, secular scientists. They said, yeah, prayer and Bible study. From our studies, we said developing the habit in, one, in prayer or Bible study has helped with the development of other habits. Go figure. So this Bible study gives us information for our path. And I want you to know this through the Holy Spirit. It gives us fuel for our path. It gives us info. Bible study gives us information for our path. It lights it. It gives us fuel for our path to go down that path. I love uh, the 119th Psalm in the Old Covenant. I'm going to give you two, two of them here. 119.105, the writer says, Your word, God, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. There it is. God, your word. Studying that Bible, it gives me light for my path. All right? He says it right there. It's not my concept. That's his. And then in Psalm 119.11, he says this. God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In other words, I, I want to know this stuff so I can do this stuff. It's not just information. I'm going to take it and use it and do something with it. Knowing and doing. And I want you to know this. To develop this keystone habit in your life, the habit of Bible study, we have tools to help you do that and have that as part of your life. And over the course of this year, of 2022, we're going to teach you how to do that and how to put that habit in your life. So that brings us down to today. Today. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. This is the habit that I want to talk about today. The keystone that secular scientists have said. And here it is. McKinley has it on the bottom of the screen. Church attendance. It is the power of me that's transformed in the power to the power of we. From me to we. Church Attendance, participating, gathering with the church on Sunday. In the early church, we have, this, we have a record of the early church starting, and we have it in the book of Acts written by the Dr. Luke. And the doctor writes this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here's what he says. He says, all the believers, so everyone who was there at that time, and at this time they were all in Jerusalem, all of the believers, so not just some, he says all, everyone, every, everyone. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. In other words, they gathered. They made it a choice. It wasn't something, hey, we'll decide what we're going to do uh, before this happens. No, they made it a, a, a priority. They, they all devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They gathered and to fellowship which in order to do that as the church, they had to gather as the church. To the teaching, they gathered. To the fellowship, they gathered. To sharing of meals, and they said including the Lord's Supper, they gathered. And to prayer, 
they gathered. I love the concept of a prayer closet. We see it in the New Covenant, but most frequently in the New Covenant, we see them gathering for prayer. This is the keystone habit that we want to challenge you with today. We want to encourage you to begin or move toward or talk about as a family, saying Sundays is the day, that is the day we gather with the church. The decision is going to be made. We make that decision. We've encouraged you every week of this series, the three S's for 2022. What are those? Sundays. Next steps every Sunday. Take a next step. Don't just get the information to light your path. Actually take a step down that path. Sundays. Sundays, next steps, and then small groups. And that is the church gathering. Now let's take all of this information and let's go back to what we started with. Back to our words. And back to our gestures that we communicate to other people. And back to our reactions. We want to choose wisely. And it's going to take a new habit. If we want to think before we speak. Because something will be healed or killed. If we want this to become a habit. Our challenge is this. First, first. Let's start with the keystone habit of Sundays. And I encourage you and I challenge you from the bottom of my heart to talk with God about this statement. Can you become a family that says we are a family that gathers with the church every Sunday? We are a family that gathers with the church every Sunday. We are a family that gathers with the church every Sunday. And would you repeat, if you choose... To begin the process of making that one of your keystone habits. Would you every single day for the next 66 days. Tell yourself and your family. We are a family that gathers with the church on Sunday. Over and over again. Every single day for 66 days. And will you begin to develop that keystone habit. We are a family that gathers with the church on Sunday. Add this keystone habit first. And then what we're teaching your children today, and the bottom line we had at the beginning of this, then walk together toward that smaller habit that says, I will think before I speak because something will be healed or killed. But my encouragement is to start with the keystone habit first. And I want to say this as we wrap it up before we sing two songs to our Jesus, our Savior. There is no such thing as passive change. There's no such thing as just going with the Christian flow and then positive things are going to happen. It doesn't work that way. You know what just going with the flow is? Even a dead fish can go with the flow. Now just go with the flow of the river. We're going to need... To struggle, you read the words of the new covenant. There is struggle and there is a fight to go somewhere else with our lives. And we are called to struggle and we are called to fight and we are called to grow. All while his spirit is making the change. But my friends, we participate. Let's pray. God, you had Luke write these words that all the believers devoted. They were first believers. Then they devoted themselves. That No one did it for them. They did it for themselves. They had devoted to gatherings in church and sitting under the teaching. They devoted themselves to looking at Scripture together. And then, and then you had him write that they devoted themselves to fellowship where they gathered and encouraged one another and infused life into each other. You said they gathered to share meals. They were getting involved into their lives. They were devoted together as the church to prayer. God, I so pray that you would place it upon our hearts.